This recording begins with a reading of the Gospel of the Day. That will be followed by the homily from Father Paul O'Brien. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Jesus said to his disciples, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You have faith in God. Have faith also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If there were not, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back again and take you to myself, so that where I am, you also may be. Where I am going, you know the way. Thomas said to him, Master, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you know me, then you will also know my Father. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said to him, Master, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus said to him, Have I been with you for so long a time, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, Show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own. The Father who dwells in me is doing his works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father is in me, or else believe because of the works themselves. Amen, amen, I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I do, and will do greater ones than these, because I am going to the Father. The Gospel of the Lord. We are celebrating the 50 days of the Easter season, and at this point in the Easter season, what Christians traditionally do day by day through the Scripture is what we just did in this Gospel reading. Go back to some of Jesus' teachings before his death to reconsider them in the light of his resurrection. For this celebration of First Communion today, but for all of us in the Easter season, it's pretty tough to beat to top the passage we just heard. So this is our job this week. John 14, 1 to 12, just pick it up, reopen it each day this week. It's very straightforward, and just consider what is Jesus teaching about us today. So that passage, the the place where it takes place is very, very important, particularly in this celebration of the Eucharist. It's at the Last Supper, the final meal Jesus has before he's killed. He brings his closest disciples together, and they know he's about to be killed. They completely love Jesus. He, it turns out, is not just a man. He's God who's become a man. They don't fully understand that at this point. He has told them repeatedly he's going to be killed. And each time he says it, they reject that because they don't want Jesus to be killed. Jesus is about nothing but God. The people who want to kill Jesus are deeply sinful. Sinful is anti-God. Jesus is going to be killed because of evil, sinful people. Jesus is facing death. Death is the end of life. The last thing that anyone who knows Jesus wants him to experience is death. And some of them have come to believe he's the Messiah of the world. How could he be the Messiah, but his enemies are about to kill him? They know he is facing the ultimate sin, and death itself. 
So how wild is it in the passage we just heard? Of all things, Jesus says to them, don't let your hearts be troubled. Remember in the scripture, the heart, your heart means the core of who you are, your soul. Don't let your hearts be troubled. I think if I were one of them sitting there, I would say, what are you talking about? My soul feels like it's going to be destroyed because, Jesus, you're about to be killed. How could you possibly be saying, don't let your hearts be troubled? My heart is only troubled. And for those of us who read the Scripture, the Gospel writer in there, don't fall asleep on me on this, there's a really key detail. The verb in Greek don't let your hearts be troubled, troubled. Jesus, earlier in the Scripture, we heard this on the fifth Sunday of Lent, remember when Lazarus is dead and Jesus weeps because he's so upset by Lazarus' death? The verb is the same verb, troubled, where translated into weeping. Jesus has been troubled when he faces the reality of death. John 13, right before this, when Judas betrays Jesus to death, the same exact verb is used. Jesus is troubled himself when Judas hands him over to death. So how could Jesus be saying, don't let your hearts be troubled in the face of sin and death? I am absolutely confident it's not at the moment, it's about the future. He's telling these disciples as he faces death, don't let your hearts be troubled in the future. Stay with me on this. He's talking about us, those people, and us. So what Jesus says after he says, don't let your heart be, hearts be troubled, is completely important. He says, have faith in God. You have faith in God. Have faith also in me. I'm going to my Father's house, which you know means heaven, and I'm going to come back again, and I'm going to prepare a place for you in my Father's house. If I'm preparing a place, it's so I'm going to come back again and bring you there so that where I am, you always may be. Where I'm going, you know the way. I, Jesus, am the way and the truth and the life. Whoever believes in me will do the works I do. So stay with me here. Again, it didn't, couldn't have made sense to them when he first says it, only after his resurrection. When Jesus is killed, he lives love, the fullness of love, into evil and the devil, sin and death. All he does is live love into death itself. When Jesus rises from the dead, it is the revelation that his love is infinitely stronger than evil and Satan and sin and death itself. When Jesus rises from the dead, he finally brings to this world the full power of God's love, and he ultimately breathes it into those disciples. Those disciples' hearts, the core of who they are, of course they're troubled before Jesus' death. When Jesus rises from the dead, he breathes himself ultimately into their souls. He changes their hearts so that when they receive the power of his resurrection 
and they face the worst evil, the worst sin, other people and themselves. And when they face death, if they make the choice to live in Jesus, to actually have faith in him, to live as his disciples, to do the works he does, their hearts will not be troubled. At the depth of their souls, there is nothing that can defeat Jesus. When you and I were baptized, whether that was at the Easter Vigil or 70 years ago, we actually received the power of Jesus' resurrection at the depth of our souls. Our souls were changed. If we make the choice in the real world to live his love, this is a really messed up world. If we choose to live his love at the depth of our souls, we will not be troubled because he will save us. Being a Christian is not about being lifted 15 feet above the real world. It's about living in the real world. Being a Christian doesn't mean that we don't get cancer, we don't have terrible things done to us, that people don't invade our countries. Being a Christian is receiving the Savior Jesus, living his love, and never fundamentally being troubled. There is nothing that can destroy me ultimately if I live his love. So let me connect this to you guys who are receiving First Communion. I love you so much. Most of you I've known since, all of you, most of you since you were born. I totally love you. And that's just a fraction of what your parents and your families feel. Actually, you don't annoy me nearly as much as you annoy them. So I really, really love you. What I want for you is for you to never be fundamentally harmed. I know you're not going to have easy lives, but fundamentally, I don't want you to be harmed, and I want you to live forever. I want you to never die. I can't do that for you. Jesus does that for you. Jesus, from the moment you were baptized, saved you from everything that can fundamentally harm you, and he saved you from death. That Last Supper was when Jesus first gave his disciples himself in the Eucharist. He took bread, he blessed it, and he said, this is now my real presence of my body. He took wine, he blessed it. He said, this is the real presence of me. This is my blood. Eat it, drink it. What started at the Last Supper only fully takes place in the Eucharist. And for the first time today, you're going to receive Jesus in communion in the Eucharist. This is the fundamental thing, reality, that Christians have done since the resurrection of Jesus, Sunday by Sunday, coming together to learn more about him through the Scripture and the prayer, receiving him in the Eucharist so he can nourish us and grow in us, and then getting out these doors and doing the works he does. I realize today, loving you so much, he loves you infinitely more. He wants to grow and grow and grow in you. He wants to build in you the faith that will never allow you to be fundamentally harmed and will allow you to live forever. There is no one who can keep you from Jesus other than yourself. There is no one who can keep you from this Eucharist Sunday after Sunday except for yourself. 
parents and family members, the fact that you have helped bring these children to this point, blessed are you. I am a very limited and a very sinful person, and I presume you are too, but here we are. Parents particularly, you were given by God the stewardship of these souls for 18 years. Every one of you was given by God the responsibility for these children's souls. With whatever your limitations are, with whatever your current sinfulness is, here we are. You have done the most important shepherding and stewarding of these souls that can be done on planet Earth. Somehow, you've gotten them here. This is what your grandmother would tell you, and I will tell you the same thing. All that matters, fundamentally, until they're about 18, is that you bring them here, Sunday after Sunday, so that you and they can grow in Jesus, receive the fullness of Jesus, grow in salvation. It matters where they go to school, Lawrence Catholic Academy, hopefully, but that's secondary. It matters what they ultimately do in life, but it's secondary. It matters what your house looks like, it's very secondary. This is the most important reality in their lives. Blessed are you for helping them get here. Blessed will you be if this becomes the weekly center of your life. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You have been listening to Father Paul O'Brien, pastor of St. Patrick Parish in Lawrence, Massachusetts. For more information about the parish and to get involved, please go to stpatrickparish.com or follow us on social media. Thank you for listening.